0: This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice, and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey all people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved
1: you're listening to the we're not fine podcast with doug jensen and dr talia jackson
2: What I love about episodes like this is that Greg comes up with some really interesting vignettes for us. And then it feels like the Iron Chef of therapy. Like he just like (laughs) throws stuff at us. Like we have one daikon radish and some... I don't know, horse hooves, and we have to try to figure out how to create something beautiful from it. So we've got a couple fun vignettes, and it sounds like the theme is back to school, or something about school. We don't know. It's a mystery. We're going to find out.
0: But Which, how timely.
2: It is very timely. In fact, my boys start school this week, and my little one, who's going into sixth, starts tomorrow. And then my eldest, who's going into ninth, starts... Day after tomorrow. So it's happening. I blinked my eyes and the summer's gone.
0: I'll tell you, Talia, as an empty nester who has not done this for years, I miss it every year. I miss that excitement. And you know, one of the things that happened this morning is that I had to run to the store to get a glue gun to repair some items in our studio here today. And this little kid, I literally was turning the corner of an aisle with my cart and he ran almost right into it. And his, his mother was like, I'm so sorry. He's so excited to get his school supplies. And I just kind of looked at this little boy and this little girl with their parents. And I was like, oh, those days are gone. And yet, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I should just go to back to school and just pretend that I have kids. But that's I think not my age, at all. Uh, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time I'm uh, might fit that category, let me just say that uh, without going into detail, but let me tell you, it is such an exciting time, and I think Talia, one of the things that is so cliche, but boy, time flies, and it goes by every year and the summer the summer was so fast here because of the the school and and teacher strike, right? so a lot of schools started the same time but ended later last year, so there wasn't there wasn't as much time, so i 'm glad that your kids are like acculturating to this new school year and getting ready. I
2: know. Summer is just never long enough. But yeah, it's a part of it. I just feel like maybe it's just the problem is it's so extreme, is that school is so all-consuming. It's like a full-time job plus. And then summer is so unstructured and kind of fabulous and wonderful. And I think I would love back to school a little bit more if fall in Minnesota didn't hold this like impending doom feeling of like it's going to be a really beautiful two weeks of leaf peeping and apple cider, and then it is going to be frigid and white and dark. However, Should I go on?
0: For those of us who not only do not enjoy the summer, You know, I think I've figured this out because I grew up on a farm. The summer was baling hay, picking rocks. It does not have great associations for me. So the fall, however, which is when my birthday is, I love that season. I love the cooler weather. I love going in my hot tub during those months. And because I am a massive hockey fan, go wild. It is the time of year when I can watch something every week that just brings incredible joy to my life while I'm making a fire. And my kids actually come home from Los Angeles where they live. So I have all different connotations around this type of seasonal change. That
2: actually might be really helpful for me this winter because I do start to go into this like apocalypse prep before winter that maybe you can help me remember Hot cocoa, fires, hot tub.
0: Have you been to a wild game?
2: Are you talking to me? I am. I am. Um, no, the, I've never the, seen a hockey game. I don't, I don't do ice. Oh, you have to go, cocktail. and
0: then you will be hooked. It is the most fun. So we have to go. Yeah, we will. We will see. I'll buy you a couple big gingers, and we'll have a really great time. I'm in. But yes, Greg. All right.
2: Tis there the season, Tis the give season. it to us.
0: Not to be jolly, but to return to school.
1: Yeah, let's talk about school.
0: All right, so the first question is from
1: Charlotte. Charlotte, what a beautiful Charlotte. name. Um, my my partner and I have been dating for two years now. By the way, Charlotte is 29, okay. the partner is 27. Uh, my partner and I have been dating for two years now and living together for a year and a half. So that was pretty quick. Um, Our relationship is very even and peaceful. We rarely fight and if we do, we're both crying and apologizing within minutes. We both moved to a new city almost a year ago when I landed a dream job opportunity after four years of casual employment. Um, For context, um, I will add that a big issue that came up early in our relationship was the fact that he doesn't like and is allergic to dogs. And I had to come to terms with that fact that my future would look very different to how I imagined it and how I grew up with dogs. And I love dogs and always imagined that I would have children, you know, that were playing with a family dog. And I I guess I'm adding this in just to show that I'm not an uncompromising bad person, that I make sacrifices for us to work. Um, A few days ago, my partner came and told me he was unhappy in his job, that it stresses him and is sucking the joy out of his life. And the moment I asked him if he wanted to go back and study, in my, in my mind, I was thinking and expecting that he would pursue teaching, which is something that um, his, parent, his his mom was a very passionate primary school teacher, um, and that, that would just be about a two-year commitment. But he came to me last night with flyers and information about pursuing uh, a degree as a, a psychologist, which is a four to six-year commitment if done full time, or if he can get a spot in an accelerated course or program. This time period kind of frightens me. I have some struggles with chronic pain and have been advised that pregnancy will physically be a struggle and an ordeal for me. So I should pursue it. I should not, should not pursue it late in life. I should do it earlier. And it's important for me that I become a mother. Um, he naturally is less concerned with time. He's a bit younger as well, a guy that, um, it, to guys, it's less pressing for him. And initially, we had a big conversation about timelines early in our relationship as his was impractical for me. Um, 10 years of dating and then engagement and then marriage and then after some time, children. Um, The only married couple he knows dated in middle and high school, so I think this gives him an unrealistic expectation. I said I couldn't do more than five years as a guidepost. I'm scared that if I wait for him and I miss my window, then he can move forward and still get what he wants. And then with someone else, then I'll I'll end up with nothing. Uh, To his credit, when he brought me the flyers, he said, I don't want to do this if it makes you frightened, but I feel like such a bad person to be putting a higher value on people who don't exist yet over the real and suffering person in front of me. And I'm scared that I'll help carry him through on this. And at the end of the day, I'll be tired and he'll want someone vibrant and unweighted. And I'll have gambled on improving our prospects together. But the end result will be that I've made him perfect for the next person. And I'll be in my late thirties alone with no real savings because I carried us, you know, and he'll be the one to prosper from it. Um, I know that while he is studying, marriage and children will be off the table. He is staunch in his feelings that you should only do both when you're perfectly stable and set. I think people are very rarely, if able, perfectly stable and set, but that that outside of intense poverty, which we wouldn't feel humans can rally through anything, and that no time is perfect, and sometimes perfect is the enemy of achievement, (laughs) and thus... There is no, there's only so long that I can wait for perfect. I guess this is colored by our upbringings. His parents are definitely upper middle class, early retirement, no mortgage, et cetera. Um, whereas my family has always struggled, you know, renting, et cetera, um, and regular people stuff, regular people struggles, right? What can I do? Am I being unreasonable to be scared? I am torn between being supportive and kind and being untrusting and frightened. I was raised on stories of women who gave up and gave in for their husbands and lost everything while he went on to have it with the next person. Um,
2: oh, well, it's think? so funny because I was as you were speaking, I was like, oh, easy fix. And then the next sentence, you were like, but they can't do this because of this. I'm like, oh, but they could do this. And then you the next sentence was why they couldn't do that. Essentially. There are a couple things here that I feel are way too big of sacrifices, and neither one of them should have to sacrifice being a parent or having a career that's fulfilling and satisfying for potentially the rest of their lives. So I think that those two things are deal breakers, but that doesn't mean that you need to be rigid or black and white about the way that you go about it. I think that's a part of the problem. You should absolutely be a mother if you want to be a mother. That is a no-brainer. Don't sacrifice that. If that is who you are and what you want, that is not a fair sacrifice. But also, he deserves to have a fabulous career. And something that he's really interested in. And trust me, you're not going to want to be married to somebody and have children with somebody who's depressed, miserable, resentful, bored, hates his job. And so I al- I always say this, but I want you to have it all. Let's, like, <laughs> have it all. Why can't you be a mother? Why can't he have this great career? You love your career. Why can't you bring children into the world together? Why does it have to be so black and white? Is it possible that you can take a look at some of the things that have felt pretty rigid? Like, for instance, we can't do both at the same time. That's a resource issue. Is that what? What is that about? So, if our resources are time and money and energy, it sounds like you, Charlotte, are really worried about time. You're worried about a window closing. You're worried about how long everything is taking. And if it feels like you have to hold your breath and wait for him to be done with what he's doing, then that's a problem. And so is there a way to throw other resources at it? Like, okay, I may or may not have heard that his parents are doing quite well for themselves. I don't know what that relationship looks like, but what if the answer to some of this is other resources that it takes a village to help raise children. Maybe there is childcare, maybe there's a nanny, maybe there are grandparents involved, maybe there are neighbors. But you shouldn't I completely agree with you that you shouldn't have to hold your breath and wait for him to be done and and I don't know about you, Doug. But my four-year program took five years. And if you have to work, it'll take six. So I don't think you should wait for him to be done with that before you move on. I think you should think about the resources necessary to do it all at the same time. Plan it out. Douglas?
0: (laughs) I want to start by saying something very simple that's going through my mind. One is that fertility for a woman is not something that is negotiable, whereas timeline on going to school is. And so there's two different matters here. One has a timeline and the other doesn't necessarily have a timeline. Um, So I think that's number one. I also want to go back to something you said, Charlotte, at the very beginning of your conversation about how the two of you navigate your communication. So what you said was that when you have some sort of strain or some struggle, you both quickly cry and apologize, I think were the two words. And one of the things that catches me about that is that I kind of wonder about your ability to really see some communication through to a point where you are navigating a compromise and getting to some agreement. Whereas it sounds like you both might be a little avoidant from that conversation about how you engage in conflict. Um, And I'm going to agree with Talia 100%. Like, I actually spent the entire time thinking, I don't know what the problem is here. Um, And then when you identified that his issue was that he was unwilling to do both at the same time, I want him at my uh, office next week so that I can talk to him about his rigidity and where that value system comes from. Because really, find any parent who doesn't have some goals while their kids are in school, Because not all parents have to forego all of their identities. I think it's a really bad idea to do that um, as an example to their kids. So, of course, you can navigate this and do it both at the same time. But again, one of my concerns might be how you two communicate in general and how you two navigate something where you two have different opposing or maybe not even opposing in this situation because you both want both of those things to happen. The question is, can you engage in that communication until you come to some agreement? So I don't think this is done. I don't think there's any deal breakers here. I think the two of you just have to say, it's critical for me to do this. And and by the way, I mean, you know, the timeline on, and I've watched a number of couples do this. I've done it myself as well. Like your kids are infants for a very long time. They're not in school. They might go to preschool, but kindergarten is five, six years into their lives. And so there's so many different factors that play into this. And I will tell the dude that you're with as well, building a practice Um, A psychotherapy practice, for example, if that was where he wanted to go. It takes time. And so there is no perfect time to be a parent. And I'll tell you something, having kids 12 years apart, being a younger parent, you have a lot more energy. And my second was the hockey player. So boy, I learned the hard way. So I say, keep navigating and keep negotiating until you get to that place where you both can find what it is that you need out of this instead of you know worrying about, what it means to your relationship. Live in the moment and do what's right for you.
2: Beautifully said. And the one thing that I might say to just wrap up this issue is we, almost with any couple's issue. There are the couples that feel like certain things are deal breakers. We're never going to make our way through this one issue or this one issue, but there's something really powerful about saying, Hey, I love you. I really want to do this thing. How do we make this work? That is a completely different framework for relationships, not is this going to work or is this not going to work, but how do we make this work? And I think that where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, this is just a timing issue. And if you're not giving up your hopes and dreams, then it's just going to be about negotiating a Second best choice where you still get to have exactly what you want, but the timing might look a little bit different or it won't be exactly as you pictured. But if you're not so all or nothing, then you really can, I think, have it all.
1: Very well said, Talia.
2: Thank you, Greg.
1: Before we move on to the second question, I think it would be a great idea for everyone to breathe and calm and just release that energy out. I'm expecting that you may have some strong reactions to, oh, no. to, to this scenario. The, who, me the,
2: or him? Who's it gonna trigger?
1: I, I don't know who's gonna, who it's gonna trigger the most, but I'm just saying that sometimes people, when they're asking a question, and I'm sure this has come up in your sessions with, 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 with clients, or with, with actual clients where they're asking a question but that they're completely missing the fact that the house is burning down around them, <laughs> but they're asking about whether they should plant flowers in the front yard, right? This is one of those scenarios. So, so just bear with, bear with it, it gets, there, it gets there eventually, but just calm. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, this is from Jeremy. Uh, My wife and I were high school sweethearts. We got married when she was 18 because we found out that she was pregnant. I started working to provide for our family in the oil industry, and it's a lot of hard work um, with long hours, Uh, but now I'm finally on the administrative side of things, so it's just a normal nine to five now with a lot more time for my family. I'm also finally able to make a good amount to support us, and she has been a wonderful stay-at-home mom to her kids. We have two sons, age nine and four, and two daughters, age seven and two, and my wife is currently 16 weeks pregnant with our fifth. I always knew that my wife wanted a big family, uh, but I just thought that she meant maybe about three kids, um, and we were both the only child, so that's that's a big family to me with three kids. I also knew that my wife would want to be a stay-at-home mother when we did have kids to support the family. Before she got pregnant, she said, that she, she had planned on going to school to be a dental assistant a dental assistant, and she's been putting it off since we keep having kids, and she says that she'll go to school once our youngest is in kindergarten. That's the plan. I thought that this would have been years ago, but obviously that's not the case. I don't mind supporting our family, but it does put a lot of pressure on me. I'm still away a lot, and I really would like to switch careers at some point, but that would most likely mean me having to take a pay cut. My wife and I agreed that I could make that switch once she's working, and which hasn't happened yet, obviously. I feel like she doesn't have the heart to tell me that she doesn't want to go, doesn't want to work anymore, that she just wants to be a stay-at-home mother. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's definitely not what we had planned. But also, having five kids is not something that we had planned. She doesn't even tell me when she wants to have another. She just takes it into her own hands. I feel a little taken advantage of and manipulated. I've tried asking her about it and she just blows me off saying I'm being ridiculous. I've also asked her because since she apparently has been using birth control off and on and she just stops when she wants, wants to have a kid without telling me and she says it's her body so, so I don't have a say in it. I just don't know how else to talk to her about this. Do we need counseling? I'm just at a loss.
0: Okay. Oh boy. Discuss. So I don't know that I even need to breathe on this. Um, There's some obvious problems, and then there's some workable problems, I think. You know, one of the pieces that we kind of keep going back to in this podcast, which is going to be a theme throughout the podcast, is that people have to communicate what is true for them. They have to communicate what is honest for them. And so his feelings of not only being manipulated, but also feeling frustrated with not feeling like he can pursue a career that he really wants or that, you know, the, the agreement that they had, which I'm really, really keyed into agreements and relationships if you, as a couple, establish what your goals, is for, goals are, for example, in this particular situation, it sounds like they had an agreement that she would eventually go back to school and get a job uh, when their kids went to kindergarten. I think what keeps happening, though, is that there's continuous kids being born. And so there wasn't a, a specific agreement. And I must tell you, that's a big concern. Yes, it is her body, but it's also his sperm. And so when they make a deal as a couple, To have uh, a specific number of kids, I mean, there might be accidents, condoms break, birth control doesn't always work. Um, Those are accidents, but this this seems a little bit willful, and it seems as though she is specifically breaking a trust that they had about what their agreement was. And so, I mean, he's kind of stuck, and how many kids will it be? I grew up in a community where there were 15 kids in a family. Well, this could go on for a really long time, right? So uh, there's, a, there's a point at which the big issue here is that he has to address that she is consistently betraying trust by navigating herself somewhere that isn't what they agreed to do. And it's not an excuse that it's just her body. It is her body. I have no questions about that. But if, they are, if she is specifically going off birth control, that doesn't feel okay at all, and it's not part of their deal. So the the last question he asks about whether or not they should be in therapy, I mean, if he is unable to communicate effectively and feel heard from her about what his concerns are, yes. A therapist is a great place to actually navigate that conversation and get to an understanding. And the therapist needs to probably confront in this situation why it is that she's changing her mind, which could be about so many things. Out of compassion and regard and empathy for her, I'm not sure why she keeps changing the rules about how many kids they have, but she has to express that directly and clearly to him so that they can either, you know, renegotiate the goals for their marriage and family, but she can't keep making those decisions unilaterally. They need to be both.
2: You said that all so beautifully. I don't even know what more to add. I completely agree that I think that the problem here is that she is not communicating what is actually happening for her and she has gone rogue in making these decisions that absolutely affect him just as much as they affect her. Of course it's her body but it's a couple. It's a family. You are creating more responsibility, more work, more financial burden, and also more joy, of course, but that needs to be a conversation. You can't go rogue. Just like you shouldn't quit your job without checking in with your partner. You shouldn't keep having children without checking in with your partner. You shouldn't just sign up for the military or six years of grad school or open up your relationship without communicating with your partner. I am all about the pivot, right? Especially with the high school sweethearts, you're not going to, at 16 years old, make a plan for the rest of your life and not grow and not change with life experience and wisdom. I'm all about the pivot and I'm all about revisiting the already established goals and agreements, we all change. But I feel like they're having a really hard time communicating about w- what the pivot would even look like. If somebody's wanting something to change or if somebody's wanting something to stay the same, that's a couple's issue. So, absolutely, therapy is a really good. Idea for the two of you because this is impossible. And unless this husband is Jeremy, is going to just be along for the ride with whatever his wife is going to be figuring out and he's going to be the last to know, that's not a great fit for most.
0: So there's something going on here that's underlying what's happening. And, you know, as you identified, Greg, when you introduced this concept. It's like something really huge is happening that's really really obvious and yet the two of them just continue to do the same thing and jeremy at you know while i have a lot of questions about you know her decision making and why she feels like it's unilaterally okay to make decisions for you you and your family and she um, i would equally say my worry for you is that you know based on how you present this question to us jeremy you are building some resentment and boy, resentment can lead to contempt and and you know those hard feelings that are very, very hard to get out of once they've gone to a certain extent. So nipping this in the bud as quickly as you can, and whether that's needing the help of a mediator like a therapist to help navigate this conversation, which I 100% recommend, um, it's also about making sure that this doesn't go much further because there is a point of no return for you where your anger and resentment will be fairly severe and and really difficult to manage.
1: Well said. All right. Now question three is from Raj and also has to do with school as well. Great themes. My girlfriend and I have been together for about a year and a half and we're highly compatible except she doesn't have a clear career path and isn't the type of one that likes to be a planner and plan things out for her future. She's been very unhappy with her current job since we first met, but she doesn't take any action to, to change that situation despite my recommendations. Finally, last night she said she wanted to apply for a data science master's program so, so that she, eventually she could have a better chance at getting a data scientist job. But that is very likely to require us to move to another city for about two years. I have a stable developer job and I'm doing well financially. She doesn't need my financial support and I'm okay with moving since I can work from anywhere remotely. I don't think this is the right choice for her though. She already has the background for, from her current job, and all she needs is a little, you know, a, additional skill building uh, and programming training. And I, in the industry doesn't really look at a degree; it just looks at what you know, right? And I'm happy to train her, but she told me she she lacks the self discipline to and needs a more structured program to help her learn. I feel like she is just trying to go back to the comfort zone of being a student again instead of actually meeting this challenge head on. Moreover, we talked about getting married and having a kid before me turning 35. I'm currently 30 and I wanna stick to that plan since family life is something I value highly and I grew up in a big family. She thinks having a kid isn't something that she wants to prioritize right now and is willing to delay it for other things that she values higher. Am I being selfish here for her not wanting to go back to school or pushing her too hard? Thank you for your thoughts.
2: A little, a little, a little bit selfish. But I'm sure that you're a wonderful human and have the best of intentions. And I guess, like, we don't really know what her wanting to go back to school is about. And I wouldn't necessarily assume that it's a choice that is safe and avoidant. There might be reasons that we're not understanding. And I shouldn't say that it's selfish, but also I should maybe just clarify that she probably really needs to talk to somebody in that field who is an expert in what she needs and doesn't need, because as much as she adores you, I don't know if she can take your word for it. And especially if you're loving but also concerned agenda is about please don't waste the time. Please don't move us. I want, here's my agenda. I want to have kids sooner, faster. This is really inconvenient for me. Do you have to do this thing that's going to derail us? But the way that I was looking at it is you've got five years to work with before... Oh, did he want to have all of his kids by 35 or start having kids by 35? He didn't say. That I'm not remembering. He didn't say. It It felt to me like there was a little bit of time to work with. And if finances aren't a problem, then does it even matter if this is something that is interesting for her and would help her feel really prepared What does it even matter? But I will say that maybe it would be helpful for her to speak to someone who is really in that field and can tell her if it's a waste of time, if it's necessary, not necessary. But Raj, I feel like the only right choice is for you to be really supportive of her in whatever it is she's wanting to pursue, knowing that that priority in self-development and a great career and something that's going to be interesting for her, that's going to be a win for you as well. So I'd be really curious to know what it would look like if you were just supporting her getting the information and then cheering her on and holding your timeline and your agenda. Also, just like be really open and honest about it so that it can be a side-by-side growth of both of your development at the same time.
0: Yeah, I would say, Raj, I don't think it's selfish to identify what it is that you need and want. That's not what that is. Um, I think what might not come off well for both of you is if you kind of stand in your corners, And again, you know, one of the themes of this conversation in this episode is being able to communicate what you want and need and what your goals are and what your aspirations and dreams are. And not necessarily assuming that there's this, uh, you know, Talia, you you do this nice conversation oftentimes about abundance um, and how it is that we can all have what we want, ideally, if it's navigatable. And I really think this one is. Um, there's a couple things that I don't want to assume about this. You know, with her interest in being a data scientist, my guess is that she's done some research. My guess is that she's actually talked to people or she has some background. um, And I don't want to assume that she hasn't done her homework on this. And I might say what initially came off to me, Raj, is that I don't know that you're listening to her. Like when she said, I need the structure of an academic program or I need the structure of a, a classroom and a professor and colleagues to kind of run things by and maybe network with. There's a lot of reasons why people go to grad school or undergrad um, and and pick the programs they do. So it's almost, you know, I'm I'm not wanting you to miss the fact that she's trying to tell you what she needs. And I'm not hearing you necessarily responding to that, but rather dismissing it. So make sure. And the word curious came up uh, in your conversation, Talia. And I think that's one of the pieces that I encourage people to do with their partners be curious, like learn more. Like why tell me more about what you understand your learning style to be and why you need the structure of that academic program to feel like you're getting where you want to go. But I got to tell you, you know, if somebody for you and I, Talia, had told us not to get our grad degree. um, I had a two-year-old when I applied for my graduate program and I'm so grateful I did. It was hard. I always prioritized parenting. I was up till 5 a.m. sometimes running you know, my my papers through my final paper, I handed in at the very last day to get it bound uh, in prison presenta- in preparation for presenting to the public. Um, so, you know, we make things work and we make compromises and sacrifices when we are parents, when we are partners. And, and that's where I don't encourage you to necessarily assume you can't get what you need here. But this, like anything else we've been discussing today, is communication toward understanding what you both need, finding out what the compromise looks like, and, and committing to it without resentment. And that's where you really got to know that you can make these, these, these decisions together. And don't agree to anything you don't want to do, but I'm not sure what that would be in this case. I think you can have both of what you are looking for.
2: And maybe the theme is there's no perfect time to have kids. There's no perfect time to go to a grad school program. There's no perfect time to develop yourself and... Find something that's really fulfilling and meaningful for you, but it's necessary for your own well-being and the well-being and health of all of your relationships. If you feel like you are living half a life or that you're not living the life you're supposed to be living, everybody around you feels that. You owe it to yourself to Go back to school. Find what you're interested in doing. Find those hobbies. Do it anyway. And I think that I'm going to, you know, repeat what I had already said about you can either feel like, okay, this is clearly a deal breaker. Like we have this difference in our timeline that just isn't going to work. Or you can say, I really love you. I really have to do this thing. You're going to love me more if I'm fulfilled and joyful and happy. I have more to offer the world. So how are we going to make this work?
0: And I really think one of the potential negative consequences or implications of staying with your idea that she doesn't need this program or why would you do that program when we could probably get you, you know, accommodated for a new position uh, in that field by ourselves I, I think the possibility of resentment on her part I mean there's possibilities of resentment on both of your parts, but you know if you're telling her you know she really can't do this thing that helps her grow, one of the things that I think is really, really critical in all relationships is that we we both grow every party needs to keep growing and expanding and making themselves a better person because again, what I see a lot is that one person is growing and the other person is stuck and without kind of mutual growth and reciprocity in that process. Um, I think couples are not going to thrive long-term. You need to consistently re-evaluate and renegotiate that relationship on all levels, You know, whether it be occupationally or, in this case, educationally or physically or whatever it is. You really have to just keep that process going. So I would wish both of you to get more of what you want in this situation.
2: I'm also thinking, and this is probably going to be maybe the last thing that we say about this, but I, I'm also thinking about this idea of how If she were your best friend and not your girlfriend, I bet you would be rooting for her and excited for her and just her joy is your joy. And I want you to dig deep and find that in your relationship, that if your agenda was her well-being and happiness and fulfillment that you knew was going to just spill over into the relationship. The happier each one of you is individually and the more fulfilled, the better the relationship. And so sometimes, I mean, and I've been with the same fabulous person since I was 20 and now I'm 45. Like there has been so much renegotiating, but we have to really dig deep to be excited for each other to do these things that are going to potentially be really inconvenient for us because we adore each other and we wish each each other the best. I don't want to be the obstacle in his way to fulfillment. That's the opposite of a joyful, beautiful marriage. So dig deep, Raj.
0: You know, and I think Obviously, Raj, the difference in this situation is she's not your best friend. She's someone with whom you bu- want to build a family, which that makes the criteria and maybe the consequence or the the implications of this a little bit more intense. But um, I think the concept is exactly right that Talia said. Think of her as somebody you want to support and love, and she will love you back in the same way. It's a really good good method. I love that what we do in all of these scenarios is we kind of get to the same thing, Right. We, we get to the place where we're encouraging people to really dig deep to use those words and take a look at what it is that they really want and what their truth is and what their real goals are. Because the more, you know, fulfilled we are each in our lives, the more giving we are in our relationships and the more loving we are in our relationships and generous. So I think one of the things we're telling everyone in each of these scenarios, dig deep, sort out what it is you really need make sure you communicate that as adaptively clearly calmly concisely to your partner as you possibly can and enter that phase of negotiation you know and one of the exciting pieces i want to say to every one of these pieces uh these people charlotte jeremy raj i want to say to all three of you like you have an exciting opportunity to have your relationship enhanced and more satisfying By getting to a place where you have new developments and new growths in those relationships.
2: And I might say in closing, the better your communication and the less rigid you are about potential outcomes, you will find that there aren't really that many deal breakers in relationships. So work on your communication. And oftentimes that rigidity is about anxiety and about feeling like you need to control or that's right. And so that just takes a little bit anxiety management. Like I'm going to be okay, even if it isn't exactly as I pictured, and we're going to be okay. If it isn't exactly the way that we said it was going to be when we were 16. So yeah, communication, be less rigid, be more curious, more supportive. And you're golden. Good
0: luck to all of you, and by all means let us know how it turns out.
1: Next week we revisit the four C's of relationships with the first installment on communication. Oof, that's gonna be a big one. If you have any questions about communication and your relationships, please email us at questions at we're not fine.com. And as always, thank you, friends, for listening.